Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. So tonight we get to talk about one of the letters that is a lot of people's favorite. It's called Philippians, and it was written to a church in Philippi. And I know a number of all different kinds of people who, if they know the Bible pretty well and you ask them, you got a favorite book, they'll say Philippians, because it's full of celebration and unity and joy. I mean, he used the word joy over 15 times in this letter. So he's talking about these kind of joyful type things, which is interesting because Paul writes it from prison. It's not something I've talked about much, but over these last few letters, they were kind of all written around the same time, probably like AD 60, 61, 62, somewhere in that range. And they were written when Paul was in Rome in prison. Now, don't picture like a dungeon. He would later spend some time in a, in a dungeon-like prison, but this one was, was just house arrest, basically. And you can read about it in the book of Acts. He was arrested. Um, really, the last seven or eight chapters of Acts are about this whole him being arrested, and then he's moved around from place to place, and eventually he goes to Rome, and he waits there for a couple years in order to stand before the emperor and say, here's what I believe, and that's where the book of Acts ends. And it's during that time that he writes a lot of our letters. So he's writing these letters, uh, Colossians was written in, Philemon was written in, and Philippians is written in as well. And he, he writes this one because people heard about his situation and they were, they were concerned. The people in Philippi really like Paul and they know that he's in prison so they don't know how he's doing and this is his response. And you might think because he's in prison that he might complain a little bit. Not at all. I mean, it's the furthest thing from complaining. He basically says, I got nothing to complain about. Why? Because I have opportunities to tell people about Jesus. And even if I didn't, at the end of the day, I've got Jesus, so I'm good. This is the letter where Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It is so not about me. And so he writes this letter to make sure that they understand that the path to joy is through humility. It's not about winning trophies or accolades or accomplishments. It's about humbly serving other people, not making it about yourself. And he kind of... He's doing this whole secret to life kind of thing. The secret to life is not, like I said, just making sure everybody else thinks you're awesome or making all your dreams come true. The secret to life is is finding joy in serving other people. And at the center of this letter, he basically says, I mean, isn't this what we see when we look at Jesus? And so from start to finish, this happy letter really is uh, focusing us on the fact that when we think a lot about ourselves, we tend to be less happy than when we put the emphasis on other people. So tonight, uh, just lean in and listen as we talk about surrendering to the change by embracing uh, humility as the path to joy. Michael's right. If you were to ask me my favorite book in all of Scripture, I'd say the book of Philippians. 21 years ago, I wrote the first sermon that I ever preached from the book of Philippians uh, about the theme of contentment, uh, something that I don't think I'll ever master. And tonight we get put face to face with a word that I don't know what your thoughts or your baggage with it are, uh, but it's this word humility. And so what we're going to do tonight is contrast humility and pride. Uh, and, and my guess is this, if, if you're a proud person, you probably don't think you are. And if you're a humble person, you probably don't think you are, right? We really recognize 
what, uh, what's really true about who we are. And so this is how I want to start. Um, I like commercials. I like DVR better. I like skipping commercials. But every once in a while, there's good commercials. And my favorites are the direct TV ones where they're like, hi, I'm so-and-so, and then I'm so-and-so, a lesser version of them. So if you haven't seen it because you don't watch TV, good for you. But we're going to show you one real quick, so check this out. Hi, I'm Rob Lowe, and I have direct TV. And I'm far less attractive, Rob Lowe, and I have cable. With direct TV, you get 1080p and Dolby 5.1, the industry's best picture and sound. With cable, you get pictures and some sound, too. Direct TV is a theater quality experience I can have at home with all my friends. Uh, I don't. Don't be like this, me. Get rid of cable and upgrade to Direct TV. Call 1 800 Direct TV. Humility and pride. Uh, when I look at something like that, I kind of chuckle because it, it kind of blows things out of proportion. But the reality is that both of those things exist in all of us, right? There's a little bit of humility, there's a little bit of pride that exists in all of us. So, to try and uh, put this in a helpful context, I'm going to teach you just for a minute about a little bit less glamorous version of me, right? Not that this particular version's all that glamorous either, but there's a particular one that's uh, less glamorous, all right? And so to put us in true character, I brought a couple of props with me first so that you can mock me. I brought my Letterman jacket from high school, right? It's purple and yellow because we were royal, okay? So this is my Letterman jacket, and to put the context of the beautiful face that wore this jacket, here you go. Uh, please notice I did have hair, and it was awesome, like out the back, if you see the like... It wasn't permed, it was just naturally curly, and then God was like, hey, that's ridiculous, I'm going to take it away. <clears throat> Here's why, if you're a bad steward of things, he might take it away. Here's why I put this dumb jacket on that kind of still awkwardly fits me. I had to dig for it in a closet, uh, and my kids are mortified that I dug it out. When I was a high school student, this was the most important thing possible for me. At my school, sports ruled. I don't know, maybe that resonates a little bit with you. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're like, I hate sports. Regardless of that, that's what mattered. This jacket was the only thing that mattered whether or not you were somebody at school. If you had this jacket, you were somebody. And if you didn't have this jacket, you were nobody. For our school, basketball was the sport that was a big deal. And for me, the reason I tell this story is because for me, when I think back to high school, it puts me in the context of this battle between humility and pride. There were eight of us that started our freshman year on the basketball team. Uh, our tradition was rich. We had won 12 straight conference titles. We had a handful of state titles. We were eight freshmen that were supposed to be terrific in our freshman year because it was about the program and not about us. We were terrific. We won conference again, and we won a state title. Our sophomore year, it seemed, seemed to be going pretty well. We won another conference title. Uh, things got a little haywire in the playoffs, and we finished third. And it was after that sophomore year that things really started to break down. Uh, guys started to get mad. If you don't know much about basketball, there was eight of us, and only five can play at one time. And so you know what happens, right? It gets to be your junior year, and you start to get a little frustrated. And what started to creep in was this, you're better than he is. Uh, you deserve this more. And we started to bicker, and we started to argue more. And things started to unravel, and so our junior year, we continued the decline to where we finished second in conference, and we finished fifth in state. Just barely clawed our way to that, and we entered our senior year, and the eight of us sat down and were like, we're going to be better, we'll do better, blah, blah, blah. But what ended up happening is there was two groups of four that hung out all the time. 
And none of the conversation was, how do we get better as a team? Everything was, how do I get better? And the number one thing that mattered to us for our senior year wasn't winning any sort of title. It was, will I get a college scholarship? And so we took the court and we're just literally trash night after night after night. And we fought and we bickered and the locker room was a mess and the buses were terrible. And when it was said and done, we had more losses that season than we'd had in three years of high school. We didn't make the playoffs and it was just over with. I remember the last game when we just kind of settled in and we sat in the locker room and there's this reality of like what absolutely happened. Same coaches, same players, same inferior opponents. What's the thing that threw it all away? It's pride. It was when we were freshmen, it was about the program and it was about success for us. It was about what we did. And at the end it was, what do I get out of this and how do I make myself heaven name? And so for me, when I think back to high school, to where you sit right now, that was it. I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know what that particular thing might be. But for some level, then there's this success. Here's the thing. Fast forward X number of years. I've been out of high school for a while. And this jacket means squat. I hadn't put it on uh, until tonight for a long time. It took me and the kids. It was like a scavenger hunt. Can we find daddy's ugly jacket? We didn't even know where it was. Nobody cares. You don't care, right? You're like, take that thing off, which I'm happy to do because it's super heavy and nasty. But at one point, this was the most important thing. And so tonight, what I want to do is I just want to spend some time and we're going to bounce between pride and humility and what pride says to us and what humility says. And we'll try to wrap this up. Uh, And my prayer, my hope for us as we look to surrender to the change in this particular case is that we can come to understand this statement that humility is the path to joy. And humility is not something any of us uh, necessarily just get out of bed going, I want to be humble today, right? And none of us ever say it, right? Because it immediately disqualifies you. Hi, my name's Matt and I'm humble, right? "Eh," Rejected, not true. But I want to call out for us uh, and just bounce back and forth as we wrestle through humility and pride. And so I'm going to ask you to repeat a statement to me here in just a second. And I'm going to ask you to do this tonight. Whenever I say these words, I'm going to ask you to say them back to me. All right. You ready for that? You good? Yeah. You're still like that jacket was horrible. It's burned my retinas. Okay. Here's the phrase. You ready? He's the king. That was your cue. So I'll say it and then you repeat it. That was almost good. He's the king and I'm not. He's the king and I'm not. An old-time preacher once said this, I believe every Christian has a choice between being humble and being humbled. And so if we're going to look at Philippians, if we're going to look at what Scripture says about pride and humility, let's start with this. Pride says simply this, that it's all about me. Pride says that I find worth in who I am and in what I do. There's a couple of quotes I want to read from C.S. Lewis. Perhaps you've heard of him. He wrote Chronicles of Narnia and some other terrific writings. And this is what he says about pride. Pride has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Pride always means enmity. It is enmity. And not only enmity between man and man, but enmity to God. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down on others, you cannot see something that is above you. Pride is the essential vice, the utmost evil, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. 
It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other sin. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Pride says the more I get for myself, the happier I'll be. Pride is the path to emptiness. Humility says this, that it's all about others. Finding worth in who Jesus is and in what he did. Humility calls us to, and this is what Paul says in the book of Philippians, our text for tonight, the stuff that you've already read. Humility says this from Philippians, four things. One, consider others better than yourself. Scripture says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Humility calls us to be unconcerned about our personal position. Your attitude, Scripture says, should be the same as that of Christ. Humility calls us to be a servant. Scripture says, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Scripture says, humility is the way that we obey even when it's inconvenient. Our passage for tonight says, who being in very nature God, speaking about Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That passage summarizes simply this. He's the king, and I'm not. There you go. He's the king, and I'm not. Pride says you have to stand in opposition to God. It says, in essence, I don't need Jesus, that I'm good enough on my own. Another quote from Lewis says this, and I hope this one, uh, this one makes me a little uncomfortable. I'll just be honest. I don't like the opening line. It just simply says this, pride is spiritual cancer. Pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. The depth of pride can vary from person to person and can be obvious or it can be concealed. Pride provokes God's displeasure and has committed himself, and he has committed himself to oppose it. If pride says that we have to stand in opposition to God, then humility stands that we stand in agreement with God. And it's a simple statement that says that I need King Jesus. Scripture says that humility is the pathway to joy. Paul says humility causes us to understand that everything is a loss compared to knowing Christ Jesus. Paul wrote in Philippians, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Pursuing humility puts us in a position to become more like Christ. Scripture warns against pride. Some passages say when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Scripture says, before a downfall, the heart is prideful, but humility comes before honor. Scripture says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others before yourselves. But if Scripture speaks against pride, it speaks for humility when it says, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility, humility comes before honor. Humility is the fear of the Lord, Scripture says. Its wages are rich and honor. Riches and honor and life. And so we say it again, he's the king and I'm not. 
Pride rests on the idol of me. Look what I do. I deserve to be first. I deserve to be celebrated. Pride wants people to notice me. Pride says there are things below me. Pride says I'm, so, I'm too good for certain tasks, that there are certain things that I don't have to do because of how great I am. Humility rests on the example of King Jesus. Again, from Philippians, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, being God himself, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. King Jesus gave up heaven to come to earth. King Jesus surrendered to the purpose of his father and was killed in the most humiliating way possible. King Jesus washed his disciples' feet. King Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are, yet never sinned. He's the perfect example. If pride wants people to notice me, then humility wants others to see Jesus. It means serving other people. It means there's simply no task that's too low for us. There's nothing that would be asked of us that we're too good to do. Pride is the path to emptiness. Humility is the path to joy. Pride says, conform Jesus to who I am. Make him fit my agenda. Occupy the areas of life that I let him in. That I tell Jesus, this is who I am, and if you can work with that, you're welcome to, but don't tell me what to do. I'll do my thing, and then when I need you or when I want you or in the areas where you're welcome, then you can show up. Pride tells Jesus that he has to fit to who I am. Humility says that I conform who I am to who Jesus is. That he's the example and he gets free reign in my life. Pride says what I choose to present before God is myself. At the end of this passage in Philippians, what we see is that someday we all stand before God. We die, our good, our bad, whatever, whatever decisions we've made, and someday we're, we have to stand before God, and he makes this decision about whether or not we've earned eternal life in heaven. And if we've lived a life of pride, then what we're saying is, Jesus, I've got this, I'll do it myself. I'll stand before God and I'll present myself to him. It means someday I stand there with all I have to offer. Whatever I've done, my degrees, my accomplishments, my possessions, my success, whatever it might be, but also my sin. Pride says, I'm going to do this myself. I don't want to take Jesus' help. I'll just stand there someday and I'll say, here's who I am. Here's what I've done. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all about me. And I'll be honest, that's the pathway to sorrow. Humility says King Jesus presents me to God. Instead of me presenting myself, it's King Jesus who stands in my place and presents me to God based on what Jesus has accomplished. My sins are forgiven, my mistakes are wiped away, and his accomplishments are what God sees. And I'll be honest, it's the pathway to joy. So we'll say this again. He's the king, and I'm not. I was laughing with uh, Adam Everett uh, recently. 363 days ago, I stood here on this stage and preached a sermon on humility from Philippians chapter 2. And if I'm honest with you, I remember virtually nothing of what I said. So I had to ask him, I was like, all right, weird question. 
he asked me to preach the exact same thing again. So either that means I did really good, or maybe like you're hoping I'll listen to my own words, or like, why, why would I get this twice? And here's, here's the weird answer that I'm going to give for why I think this happened, because I think in some ways I needed a redo on this. Because I'm a prideful person, because we all are. Because I may not be like Rob Lowe and awkwardly less attractive Rob Lowe, but there's prideful Matt and there's the Matt that wants to be humble. Like I've not got it. I've not figured it out. I don't know that I ever will, but I know I'm farther along than I used to be. But I think part of it is because I've had to change my definition of humility. A year ago, what I told you humility was, was simply not taking yourself too seriously. That humility, and it's, it's an okay definition. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not like I preached heresy and you should burn me in the parking lot or something. It's an okay definition that humility is not taking yourself too seriously. But I think if I got a chance to say it differently, I'd say this, that humility is saying no to the idol of me. That most days when I get out of bed or when I wake up, my first thought is what I'm going to do and what I'm going to accomplish and what do I want to get from the day. And it's about serving myself, about making my own name great, about accomplishing what it is that I'm supposed to do. In some weird way, if I'm just completely honest, I may not be an 18-year-old anymore, but I'm just as self-absorbed on average days as I was as a high school kid about getting a stupid jacket, about fitting in, about having the right things, saying the right things, being in the right places, so that people will somehow look at me and go, he's super fantastic, right? So humility is actually saying no to the idol of me, and humility is simply saying yes to King Jesus. Because we have to make this decision, and aggravatingly so, it's not a one-time decision. It's a daily decision for us to live a life of humility, and every day to say to King Jesus that he's in charge and I'm not. And so I'm going to ask you to say this again with me. He's the king. And I'm not. He's the king. And I'm not. I don't know where you sit with that decision personally. My guess is there's also people you know that have to wrestle through that decision. Uh, I couldn't help for some reason as I wrote this sermon just to constantly think about my two grandpas. One from each side. One from the Gilchrist side that I get my name. One from the Hutchins side that uh, is my mom's side. And I have two grandpas that lived completely different lives. One of them said yes to the king and the, one, the other one never did. I have no confusion about either one of them. It was obvious from their lives and from their examples. One of them was yes for Jesus and one was just absolutely categorically in every way no to Jesus. And I, I don't have any confusion about what, what their eternity is. And I wish that they'd lived longer. I wish I'd been older. I wish I'd been more brave to say something to them. But I can't change any of those things now. Uh, But I can say something to us right here. That we'll do one of two things in our life. And it's a challenge that we'll face every day. That when we surrender to this change, when we choose to take the path to joy by choosing humility, it won't be easy. But we've got to do it every day. That pride will leave you at the end of your life climbing this mountain and getting to the top and realizing that it's just nothing. Paul says, I count everything a loss to knowing Christ Jesus. That pursuing and saying yes to King Jesus is the absolutely most important thing we can do. And when we choose to humble ourselves and follow him, we truly find the path to joy.
Let me pray for us. Father, we've said these words uh, over and over again tonight about who your son is. And in just a minute, we're going to do that again. And, and I'm going to ask you to work supernaturally in our hearts and our minds in this room right now. God, I confess just personally, I don't know about my friends in this room, but I just know me personally. I say yes to the idol of me way too often and no to King Jesus more than I ought to. But I recognize right now in this moment that I want the path to joy. I want to be a person of humility. I want to be a person that counts knowing Jesus as more important than anything. Not my accomplishments, not my trophies, not my renown, not my story, but yours. And so, King Jesus, we're going to say this to you again, and we ask that you hear our hearts. And Heavenly Father, we're going to say this about your Son again, and we ask that in a supernatural way, your Spirit moves and helps these words take root in our hearts so we can be people known as men and women of humility, not men and women of pride. And so, together with one voice, We say to you right now, you are the king, and we're not. You are the king, and we're not. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.